0: Okay, um, just to let you know, we've been doing the book of Philemon. We're gonna, there might be a touch of it, but uh, we'll step back into that more fully next week. But um, uh, by, the, by the grace of God, I, I was able to call Zane what I call you on Tuesday or something. It was not a whole lot of notice. Um, again, pardon the pun, but I was wrestling with this sermon this week. I was like, Zane, I need some help. Can, can you teach my class so I can just devote everything to the sermon? And he was kind enough to do that. And it wasn't just a punt. Here's one of the reasons that that I asked Zane to do it. And I mean this, and Zane's a humble guy. He's one of the best fathers I know. He's one of the best fathers I know. And he will be the first one to say he's not perfect at it. But he's also, I appreciate, bold enough to say, how many guys can say this? He said, I'm a good father. He will say, I am a good father. Not because of himself, but by the grace of God. And I love that about him. I love the way he leads his children, but is also led and shaped by him. So this wasn't random to ask him. Uh, I knew he's the kind of guy that could come up and have things to share, but also, to me, it's always important that the person is teaching even more than the words he says. So, I'm going to pray uh, a pray, quick prayer as we get started. Father God, I, as we just prayed out in the hallway, Zane just uh, prayed with me uh, before, uh, before this morning, I just thank you again for this incredible gift of a man um, who is that father for his children who steps into the battles but he is also so willing to be the one who lets you be the ultimate fighter and father. Thank you for the model that that he is for all of us, and I ask you to bless him as he leads us in this class time, in the name of Jesus, amen.
1: Thank you, Dean. Um, You know, one of the great things about coming to church here is the uh, great teachers that we have. Every class, you know, we are surrounded by Teachers that sit in the pews and teachers that stand up front and talk to us. Um, one week off isn't going to be a bad thing this time. It'll, we'll do this together. Let's, let's look at it that way. Um, I've got to say another prayer just to settle myself a little bit. Lord, Father, God, we thank you so much for how you surround us in every moment. And I just want to pause and soak in the fact that you have been here and you're always here. Wherever we go, we can't go where you're not. Spirit, we pray for you to just lead this class. The words that are to be said are from you. Let them stick, Father, and just drive them out if they're not. We welcome your peace. We welcome your love, and we welcome your mercy. pray all things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so Dean asked me a little bit to think about, um, with it being Father's Day, being a dad. And it's kind of an overwhelming, in a good thing, uh, overwhelming thing to think about. Um, so as I spent a few days thinking about my kids, who are still young, um, it occurred to me that I think that I've been taught more about the love of the father by trying to raise these kids than I have in a lot of other ways. Um, And so when I step back and I think about what have I learned from them, I've got to start by thinking about what did I think of God the Father when I was young? What was the jumping off point? And it seemed an impossibility to please the God that I thought of when I was young. He was far off, fairly indifferent to us, um, moderately critical. But at the same time, not surprised. We were going to mess up. It just is what it is. And the whole scheme of thing was almost laughable to the point that it's going to be an impossibility to make it through. Um, but then I started to have a hint that I think everybody was wrong about this. It's got to be better than, right? It's got to be better than this. And um, I can think of times in my life where it broke through, and it was right? And maybe it was a car crash. I think of a friend of mine in college we should have had. That we racing at the back of this car, I'm paying attention to nothing but him beside me. The car stops, we're in the side of it. Everything's fine. Huh. My mom gives me a little angel pendant to put on her, think there must have been an angel in the car. Ah, maybe so. Um, the times when she was in a wreck and we walk in and there she is on a gurney. And the first thing I think of when I see her is that, thank God I'm not coming to see this woman, right? Yet that's your mother. And they need to know all the medicine she takes. And for some reason I know them all, right? And I'm pretty calm when my dad wasn't. Um, I think, ah, that's God. Okay, here's another time that he's showing up. As I've gotten older um, and experienced, love from a beautiful woman who's my wife from my parents from friends he surrounds me with to kids who didn't do anything but show up Um, i'm beginning i think to uncover the fact that he loves us more intimately and more closely than we can understand and that we are formed in the act of loving other people to be able to receive more and more of who he is because it would be too overwhelming to feel it all at once, right? That he is a God who is always bigger, a God who is always better, right? And always closer than we are to ourselves. And that doesn't mean that everything is always going to be good, it's not but he is always gonna be there. Even to the point that when Dean sent the message for me, uh, what I teach, I was at a gym, I saw his text and I ignored his text, I put it to the side. And I'm kind of driving to the house and I'm praying, God, is this something you want me to do? And it's one of those prayers where you're going, yeah, you're gonna do it. You've already committed because you're praying about this. So let's start forming what we're gonna talk about. What God, what is it, what are we in? Yeah, I answer his text, yeah, I'll do it, I think. Well, first, I hadn't been there in a couple of weeks, what's going on, right? Um, And I think I was about to text him, what chapter are you on in Philemon? When I caught, there may just only be one, I think it's a short book. (laughs) So why don't we look at one verse in Philemon? Actually, I'm going to use the phone that I was on when I read it. 'Cause two things happened when I answered his text, but the first was this message. And I want us to just kinda wander a minute. Let's see. Yeah. Let's start in verse brother bum verse ten so I make a request to you on behalf of Onesimus, who is my own son in Christ. For while I am in prison, I have become his spiritual father. And at one time he was of no use to you, but now he is useful, both to you and to me. I am sending him back to you now, and with him goes my heart. And with him goes my heart. I immediately thought of my kids when I heard, read that, with him goes my heart. Because it's such a powerful picture to me that I wasn't quite aware of is when we had our kids that my heart exists outside of myself, right? It's completely laid bare in them. It, uh, as much as I want to protect them, as much as I want to do everything right, I'm not. And it's completely exposed in the way that I love them. So I see this picture of Paul talking about Onesimus. And I see him when he says, There goes my heart. I'm right there in the middle of it with my kids. So I'm thinking today, what's it like to live like that? Um, and for me, it has been um, life changing been revealing about how God loves us. I'm realizing now as my kids get older that they aren't mine, they're his, they've always been his. And that I am being formed as I raise them. You know, A couple of quick stories I'll share with you about me trying to be the good influence on my kids. Um, One involves one gin. Y'all may have served in that ministry before. If you haven't, I encourage you to, it's awesome. But uh, we're down in Colombia, and Luke and I are a man in a cart. So we've got a grocery cart full of food. This guy who can kind of limping around, you know, he's with us, and we're taking him through. And I'm talking to him about where's your car? We're gonna take him. I'm nervous. I'm gonna ask. He's got to pray with him, you know, in front of Luke, all this good stuff. And the guy says, "I don't have a car." All right, you know, of course he's severe limp. He says, "I'm just gonna carry it." To my house and i think well that won't work um well, maybe we can walk with you how far do you live it's like it's a mile or two just up and around and i'm like okay we'll, we'll walk with you i can push a cart, we can push it back you know and luke goes well <laughs> we got a car dad we got a car i'm like good point so we pile this guy in we throw the groceries in the cart and we drive him over across the river to his uh to his house In his house, there's a couple of generations, some small kids. And because of my son's influence, we stand in his living room and we pray. We pray over this family. We pray over this food. And I think, what an awesome experience we've stepped into. And so we're leaving. And I'm having a teachable moment with Luke about how we've helped these people and how God was involved in this. And it sounds odd at first, but Luke understood all that. But he also understood that that little girl in the corner had on a pair of Jordans, right? So when I'm like, that's awesome, that's cool, yeah. And I thought, she's not other to him. She's a girl just like him. He liked Jordans, she had on some cool shoes and we got to be in their house and we got to pray for their food, right? And I'm beginning to see that we're all God's kids in this, right? Another time, we're doing a food drive down there, and uh, Kate is with me. And We're going to walk up to the door, and we get there, we got the food that they're going to deliver to them. Step up, there's no door handle, there's no what. And I'm like, I don't know, I guess we'll just set it down. And they'll find it, is what I said to her. And she says, why don't we just knock? And I don't tell her, it's because somebody might answer, and then we're going to be faced with dealing with them. She says, why don't we just knock? So we knock. This beautiful woman comes. We give her the food. We pray with her. And we leave, and Kate and I do a little jig together. Because it felt so good to be there. It felt so good to me to be led by a little girl in stepping in and not doing the easy thing. But let's knock. Let's be a part of this, right? And what I'm seeing as I'm doing these things with my kids is I'm seeing God pull me in. You love them so much come on come on let's step into this thing fully and I begin to realize God loves us like this right all the way all the way um let's think here let's read just to kind of lead into the other I think I led communion one day here and I read this same quote but it's been a while we'll do it again. This is from Thomas Merton out of uh, New Seeds of Contemplation. Merton says at the beginning of the fight against hatred the basic Christian answer to hatred is not the commandment to love but what must necessarily come before in order to make that commandment bearable comprehensible He says it is a prior commandment to believe. The root of Christian love is not the will to love, but the faith that one is loved. The faith that one is loved by God. That faith that one is loved by God, although unworthy, or rather irrespective of one's worth. So the second thing that happened after Dean sent me that text, and I finally answered, I read the verse, where there's a group of guys down in Columbia, and we'll text or we email each other somebody will start a verse somebody else may chime in my buddy sent this thing about a father and a son's love and I read it and I meant to print it out for notes but I replied hey y'all say a prayer for me I just actually committed to teaching this class right so he picks up the phone and he calls me and we get to a conversation and he says something that um, I think this all circles around He said, you know, when you read about the gifts of the Spirit, love is the first, right? And self-obedience is the last. And, um, or self-discipline. He said, and I think he's weighing in on something, he says, view this as a process, right? We all think that self-discipline and the things we do earn God's love, right? That we got to be right in my small child's mind, my mind, to be acceptable to him. As opposed to thinking, no, 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 it starts with love. It starts with being loved, like we love our kids, like we love our friends. And we're formed through that, not to earn it, but because of it, manifests the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? So as we hold these little kids, as we commune together and we love them we realize that we are loved even more than that as martin says irregardless of whether we have earned this let's open up uh first john we can look there for a second and i would love for y'all to chime in as we read through a couple first john i just going to read verse 1 it says see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. So we can play this even through our families, we can play it through Onesimus, right? As he's carrying this letter and he's taking it to Philemon, I, sat there, I started thinking, did he read it? Did he break the seal, did he read to see what Paul wrote about him before they got there? right? When he saw that my heart went with him, was he surprised? How did he feel? Right? Or did he keep it sealed up and he waited there in the church and he heard it read? Did his ears perk up? Paul thanks to me like that. Paul called me his son. Right? Or had Paul told him, This is what I'm writing about you. And when he's there and it's being read, in front of these people who see him as a slave on Paul's heart, right? And not beating his chest as in proud of anything other than being loved by Paul, right? Being confirmed as a human being, as a man, as a child of God. You know, think what did Paul see when he met Onesimus he saw a child of God how was Paul able to see that because when he as a murderer was met on the road by Christ he wasn't accused of being a murderer he said why are you persecuting me you're going to be my instrument right he's called up he's not met with condemnation we're not dealing with a God and it's funny, when you look at Jesus, when he meets people, then the prostitute washes his feet. He says, do you see this woman? Right? Do you see this woman? When a woman touches the hem of his garment, he calls her daughter. Right? And as Dean lavishly pointed out this morning, he, Jesus is doing what he sees his father doing. Right? So when he's wrestling with Jacob, he calls him Israel. Right? When he sees Hagar, she replies to him as the God who sees me, right? So we see Paul ultimately doing, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Onesimus, when you meet people, see who they are in Christ, right? Don't see what the world calls them, right? So when he sees a struggling young man in me trying to raise my kids, he says, you are a good father if for no other reason then you love them, and let me talk to you about the way you love them and how I love you. Let's form this family around this. I love looking through John, the first John, because I love how much he just talks about God is love, pure and simple. There's no other requirements to it. Um, the commandment he gives us is to love one another. The commandment he gives us is to believe. You know, this is in John three twenty-three, And this is a commandment to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. It says we, we know it by the spirit that he gave us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. Let me ask y'all have your image of god changed over the years and if so how if so what has been anything that's kind of led to that um and just kind of leave it open to there and see if the spirit's moving anything in you that you would like to share as well
0: One thing I appreciate, uh, Zane, it fits with the stories you talked about, too, is um, I used to think that the way to do things right is to have the script, you just kind of go by the script and work through all that. What what I love is that God is right there in the dance, and it's like the rules change on the way, and what I love about you modeling that is you let Kate and Luke kind of change the rules a little bit, and the discovery happened kind of on the way, like, I don't think Paul planned to minister to the Colossian church through Onesimus. That wasn't his plan. I don't think his plan was to be in jail, but he ends up in jail. Onesimus ends up somehow getting connected to him. He brings him to Christ and all of a sudden Onesimus then becomes a fellow worker that he sends back. And so that picture of God not having this little, okay, this little linear process that everybody robotically follows. Is really helpful to me that oh he's going to be in it with me he's going to work with me on it now his overall vision is there and yet he's he's in the dance with us and you modeled that as a dad but I it's taken me and I have to keep learning that it's taken me a while to recognize God's that way too
1: absolutely I think he is he's doing these things and he's allowing us to participate as part of it right Um, I, I think he's got a scripted plan The overarching theme the lamb slain before time and now I'm gonna get my kids involved and let it be as messy as they make it and we can work with all these things and it's like you think about a fish in water they don't even know they're wet you know what I mean that's us and God right we're so and at times we wake up to the fact that we are and Um, It's beautiful when it happens and I think it's going to happen more and more and more. That's awesome. How that, Because I think of you, you've done the study, you've done the work, and you embody it, right? When we sit and we talk, I know you're living this because you're bringing it, your whole body shows it. When you teach, we feel it, you know? But that's because you're allowing the spirit to work and stepping in where he does throughout those conversations and throughout those experiences with the people that you have. I I love that in you. Anybody else? Very good. I want to go a couple of, one or two other things. As we talk about stepping into where the spirit is we've talked a little bit where is this about the fact that we know this because of the spirit that god gives us but i want us to look at um, this is first john chapter four it's the end of 16 17 and 18. You know, there's been other, other times that I've thought of something. Um, there's been a lot of times that I've thought of something and thought it can't be that good. And then you read in scripture and you go, oh my goodness, they're actually talking about exactly what I thought was overstepping what I was going to say. And this is one of those. In 16 it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. was in thinking that we could be in judgment, be in judgment day and not thinking as I would have thought and what I thought we would have been programmed to say would have been, I just hope I get in, I hope I've done enough, blah, 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 excuse me. But thinking I'm confident in this because God is love, right? I'm confident in this because of the work of Christ. I'm confident in this because the Spirit has confirmed it in me. You can go one step further and go, I'm confident in it because the Bible says to be confident in judgment. Right? And I don't know why that seems like such a stretch, but maybe it's a false sense of humility I think we're supposed to have, or maybe it's another one where I've short selled God. But I think what he's saying is you can be confident then because it's not all starting then, it's starting now, right? Luke and I were driving, we were talking about identity the other day and I told him, I said, you're the perfect age to hear this, Luke. You're the perfect age. You're 19 years old. I said, but you know what? I'm the perfect age to hear this too. I'm 48. We're the perfect age because we're hearing it right now, right? Start living it. Don't look back and think, I wish I knew this before. Don't look forward and think, I'm, what, what am I gonna do with it then? Just live it now, right? So we're the perfect age to hear this. We're the perfect age to hear that we are not gonna die, that we are eternal today. God's love is real now. Uh, we have the spirit today, and we can be confident in judgment because we've lived a life like this, right? So perfect love can drive out fear. So to localize it a little bit more, back to Philemon. As Onesimus has his story read, right, or this letter read, you wonder if he was concerned about the outcome or if he could sit there and have it read and be confident in the outcome, right? Confident that this is being read in front of these people who knew me as other, and are going to receive me as their brother, right, because of the confidence they might have had in Paul. I just think it's a beautiful confirmation. Um, One other way I'll throw out to enjoy God's love, that has been very forming to me. And I think it's because my personality and my inner dialogue is so, my personality is not loud but it's very active. It is uh, very intense in what I'm doing. Uh, My inner dialogue is um, very loud. It's always going. So a few years ago, um, I was meeting actually, Frank and I would meet together pretty regularly. And we're just kind of walking through uh, being dads, being Christian, and he had small ways that he would throw out to be Christian. I remember one being, um, start at home, start with your wife, and then if it works there, you know, then start with your kids. And at that point in time, I was like, well, it needs to be something big, right? Like, I'm talking about, am I going back to school? Am I going back to do, what am I doing? What am I doing? He's like, start at home. I was like, that's not really not it. That's not what I'm thinking, Um, but I'm gonna listen. You know, and through some of these wrestling matches I had with God, I remember sitting in the office and thinking, um, it struck me that we're not going to change anything except the man that sits in your chair, right? I'm going to be a new man doing exactly what we do. And one of the ways he led me in this was uh, being quiet, was through discovering uh, prayer. Uh, centering prayer and I wouldn't have even called it that until after the fact but I read um, I think it was Brennan Manning's book Ragamuffin Gospel I remember telling you Nancy that I thought it sounded too good to be true Um, I read his follow-up book on trust and I realized this life with God really isn't a destination but it's ongoing it's never-ending, and it starts with trust, and at the end of his book, he said something that I really liked, and there was a prayer, and it was, Abba, Father, I belong to you, is how he phrased it, and there was another one that I thought was, ah, maybe that sounds really good. It sounds really nice. I don't know if it's the way he's using that as biblical, and then I go, and I read, uh, Even before, I think I would sit and I would think about that line, Abba, Father, I belong to you. And I would get quiet and I would just sit there. And then one day I discovered in Romans 8, and we could have centered this whole lesson around this verse. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So it was another, I think, moment for me when something I thought was a possibility was a reality, that God is that good, that close. And for me, just finding a time to sit and just to be quiet and be loved by him Um, Just as I am. I think allows me a stillness that I can carry with me throughout the rest of the day. To see that love show up in my kids. To see it to show up in the places that we work. To see it show up in church. Um, But that was a gift to me. A gift from a father who I could think I could pray. God, I don't know how to pray to you teach me how to pray, which seems like an impossibility for him to show up and go, yeah, here's a gift. Do this. And then to come back later and read about it and go, oh, heck, that's, I could have read about this. I could have discovered it that way. Um, but no, it was more intimate than that because it's left here um, for us to discover through him and with him. anybody if not we'll get to lunch early
0: let's say a prayer and we'll get out of here yes sir go ahead i was just the one thing that i'm impressed with or it it caused me to remember reinforcing i think what you said is our embracing the fact that god embraces us and and really how difficult that is uh, for us to truly accept how blessed that we are to be loved by uh, to be loved by god how powerful that is! And how much it, I'm, I'm trying to think it through now. How much that really means. Uh, and I, I think the more that we can realize that, the more comfort and confident and uh, uh, less fearful uh, our love is. More perfect as we come to understand that. So.
1: Absolutely. One, it reminds me to think. Oh, I think funny. One valid, big point I wanted to make, I totally forgot, was that love isn't isolated to us. It's not. I'm not the only child of God in this room. We all are. As is everybody that we're going to meet today. No matter what they look like, any of those things, they're all children of God. Merton says it's irregardless of what we've done, right? Almost like we could be as big of a mess as we want to be. I would say there's not a mess because we're all God's children. We're all God's kids, right? And at times we forget that we belong to one another. But when we sit and we think about the fact of how much God loves me, how much I love my kids, and you say, ah, it's all somebody. You know, we're all somebody's kids. Really, we're all God's kids. We're all in this together. There's not a soul that he didn't die for, there's not a soul that he doesn't know, love, anything else. So we're all equally important, equally valuable. You can't meet a stranger. The Christ in you recognizes a Christ in them. Let's bring that together, and I think it is um, just like everything of God. It's empowering. It's humbling. It's awe-inspiring. And it's simple, but it's not always easy, you know. But it is simple, and He is that God. Let's pray, and we'll go, Father God. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for this family here. Father, we thank you for um, the fathers that we have and the fathers that we want to be. And we thank you, our Heavenly Father. And uh, we pray that you allow us to go in you and out with you for the rest of it all. We pray in Christ's name, amen.